1: Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, made possible by the great crew at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Today, we have the company of a former golden girl of the pool, a three-time Olympian and one of the most popular swimmers of her generation. Hayley Taylor was a world champion as Hayley Lewis, seven-time Commonwealth Games gold medalist, Olympic silver medalist who sits very comfortably in the Sports Australia Hall of Fame. We've seen her hosting shows on TV as an author, commentator, and now, of course, poolside bursting with the sort of pride that i I'm sure all parents can relate to.
0: Hayley Taylor welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me.
2: So for all of your achievements which of course we're going to detail a little bit later on in the show what sort of excitement burst inside of you down here at the Melbourne Aquatic Centre on June the 14th when your son Kai won the 200 metre freestyle from lane eight mind you at the Aussie World Championship trials. Kai Taylor going for it he's got to go hard coming up alongside of him is Alex Graham. Kai Taylor might hold on Alex Graham going really hard now I reckon Kai Taylor might just get there. Taylor. Is going to get there. The son of a champion shows he's a champion as well. What a swim. Lane 8, Smoker, only in the final because
1: Kyle Chalmers withdrew. I think he might have to go and buy him a cold one because that is an absolute ripper of victory from Lane i I'm
0: going to try not to start crying because it wasn't that long ago. Obviously, it was only a week and a half ago. So, you know, obviously it was an extremely emotional day um, with Kai missing the A final and then obviously being given a lifeline by Kyle Chalmers when he pulled out. So Kai was obviously bumped up from the B to the A final. So, um, you know, but I guess if I digress and go back a bit, obviously Kai's journey ha- in swimming has been going well. Life- like a lot of, um, you know, Australian athletes, it it starts when you're little. So, you know, it wasn't only the emotions of that day, we knew how hard Kai had been training for a long time for that particular event. So for him to miss the final, um, you know, I know, as well as anyone, anything can happen on the day. So I never went into that whole day thinking that Kai was a shoo-in to make that final, because I obviously know and respect how fast the Australian men are swimming at the moment in that particular event. So, you know, the last thing I said to him was you just got to make the final mate it's don't don't you know think beyond that it's you know but in my head I'm thinking this is going to be really tough to actually make the final so I had no sort of preconceived ideas that he was going to make it in easily so when he didn't um I knew he was going to be extremely upset which he was he got in the car and he just bawled his eyes out and you know the first thing he said was you know I've trained so hard and um you know being in the back seat which you know as you do as a mum because Kai's got long legs. So I'm relegated to the (laughs) backseat. Um, you know, I just put my head in my hands and I thought, you know, as a mum, you know, it's absolutely, you know, one of the most heart-wrenching things when your child has worked really, really hard for something and it just doesn't come to fruition. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, what's the best thing I can say in this scenario, but, um, you know, I was pulling out the old, we love you, you know, it's, you know, don't worry about it, but you know, in their mind, it's everything. So it's a bit hard not to be upset and and to be worried but fortunately literally minutes after we were trying to console him he got the call up for the A final so you know it was a moment a day that I'd like to remember forever but it was also tinged with moments I would like to forget as a parent so um yeah. Yeah, it was a really really emotional mixed
2: day. That that raw disappointment really tests you as a parent doesn't it and I, and I assume this is the wrestle especially elite athletes face with their kids isn't it like you know what's required you have the knowledge the intel but sort of enough knowing when to hold them and knowing when to fold them sort of approach. And are you conscious of not, you know, interfering too much, letting him find his own way? And for you and Greg, that obviously applies to, to Jacob, your other son as well. Just give them the support and the love first and foremost. But can you let us in on that little wrestle if there is one for you?
0: There's not a wrestle at all. Um, I knew when I became a mum 25 years ago that, you know, Greg and I were definitely on the same path, that we were going to try to do whatever we could to support our kids, fill them with all the confidence that um, young men need. Um, and we were just going to go on the journey with them. And because I had such a tough time myself as an athlete, we and Greg, you know, who has been with me since I was 15, he had been on that same emotional journey as if he was... On the ride himself, we sort of knew that whatever um, path our kids took, whether it was athletic or academic or creative or whatever, we wanted to support them and make sure they knew that whatever the result was, that, you know, it wasn't going to change the way we felt. We were just going to do everything in our power to devote our lives to our kids' well being, happiness. Because he had an absolutely different, you know, journey to what I had, it, you know, at 19 years of age, he really sort of only started to. Um, take swimming seriously in the past three years. So he made it pretty obvious pretty quick that um, my advice was from the dinosaur era and just not to give him any advice. Yeah. Well, that's that's sort um, of what can...
2: that's sort of what I'm touching on because, of course, there's a, a bit's been said about you know the Back to the Future situation for you, given you did the same thing, and we'll get mm-hmm. to this later on at 16, obviously over in Perth to win World Championship gold. That's what I'm wondering. Do you get right try to get right into the nitty gritty with Kai before a final like that?
0: I don't because um, well. A, he trains with, you know, an Olympic team. So he doesn't need me to advise him whatsoever. Plus Dean Boxall is his coach. So, you know, you don't need two coaches. Well, he's got Dean and also Mick, the assistant coach, plus a team of, you know, mm. um, sports physiologists and dietitians and psychologists. So basically, you know, I'm there to be his mum and to love him and, you You know, it's sometimes it's hard because I really want to say, hey, this. And it's generally only from an advice point of view, I guess, from a feeling point of view, not from a, hey, you need to race it like this because there's absolutely no way. I need to be telling Kai how to swim a race. He's he's nearly 20, so he definitely knows by now how to swim a race. Um, and to be honest, I've only really felt like my past and my experience with swimming at a level that Kai hasn't swum at yet has really only um, assisted Kai in the last year. U- up until then, um, we wanted to make sure that Kai absolutely loved swimming and um, we were there for him in whatever capacity he needed. At times, it was hard hard because I'd watch a race he'd do and I'd think uh, you know I don't know if he's aware that this is happening so I didn't want to bring it up but then six months later he'd come home and say oh Dean and I are working on this and I felt like saying well I saw that six months ago (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to jump in there um, because I definitely don't know more than Dean. But, um, you know, like I said, it's only really been in the last year that I feel like my experience um, has helped. But I make sure it's not a big component of, obviously, Kai's swimming career. It's only real subtle little things that um, I can see that I have said to him before a competition or event that he must have listened to me because he did it and it worked.
2: So so he wins, obviously, the final. And, of course, the vision of you went absolutely everywhere, which, we loved seeing oh, what i love though is that your husband greg who you mentioned he's so calm like he's he's statuesque almost i mean get him on the poker tour
0: yeah greg's like the manager of our family he's very organized and very like he cooks all kai's food believe it or not he packs kai's bag he's takes the vitamins down to the meat he's like just the the I guess he's just got that personality where, you know, he's often said to me that he felt like when we started dating when I was 15, that um, he, I guess which sounds corny, but he was the wind beneath my wings. He was there to support me and get me through, you know, even as a teenager and in our early twenties when I was still um, swimming. And then when we had kids, literally the day um, Jacob was born 25 years ago, he's very similar to his dad. He takes his role as a dad very seriously. And, um, I think he sees his role as, he's always seen his role as getting me, Jacob and Kai, through life um, as simply and easily as possible. How how lucky are we to have such a person like that um, behind us? But he's always been very calm and he lets me be emotional, <laughs> emotional. Okay. so... Yeah, he's definitely always been extremely calm and yeah, he, I don't know whether it's a male thing, but he's definitely not someone to stand up and, and look, neither am I. So that was just a very strange emotional day that um, that we went on, which is why I was, you know, yep. over the top. I
2: think. No, you, you couldn't fake it. It was raw and that's what we loved about it. So what does it mean for the world championships in Japan for Kai then? I mean, obviously qualifying times, educators here, they're not strictly applied, but we know that they've got to take a relay team. Where does yeah. it sit with him now?
0: Yeah, it's um the real uh, the qualifying times were extremely tough, so Australian swimming obviously took that into consideration. Kai having won the two hundred, he'll swim the two hundred individual now in Japan, and obviously the four x two and the four x one. So um, awesome! Yeah, he, he's obviously preparing now for that.
2: Awesome! All right, we're off the mark here on this. Is your journey? It's thanks to Tobin Brothers, a family-owned business since 1934. Right, that's Kai done, but we're going to retrace Haley. Lewis's amazing rise to glory after this.
1: You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit TobinBrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit TobinBrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.
2: Hello, great to have your company on This Is Your Journey, made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. And we're with Australian swimming legend Hayley Lewis this morning. So, Hayley, you're born in Brisbane in the mid 70s. What are your memories of childhood up in sunny Queensland?
0: Well, I had had two older sisters, um, and they're two and four years older than me. And um, I wanted to be like them. And I guess that's probably one of the things that stands out in my memory was, um, you know, I had these two amazing sisters that were the most athletically blessed humans you could ever possibly imagine, and I was not. So um, I pretty much spent all of my childhood trying to be as good as my sisters, to be honest. Uh, You know, it was something that I look back on you know, I can retro- retrospectively look back and think that that was definitely um, a big part of my, I guess, uh, training in terms of my determination and resilience and um, my will to win. Um, I It took a long time to start beating them in the pool. So obviously, you know, it was a lot of hard training. But I think looking back, swimming was definitely such a massive part of my life. And, um, you know, we were fortunate enough to live 200 metres from um, a backyard pool at Roy Holland, um, father of Steve Holland, which, um, who was the 1974 Olympic 1500 gold medalist and world record holder. His dad owned a swim school in the backyard of his pool 200 metres down the road. And the local swim club was only 50 metres down the road. So I definitely grew up in a, I guess, sporting mum and dad were extremely focused on making sure that us three girls. and. And then when my brother came along six years ago, had the opportunity to play every sport that we wanted to play. Um, And I definitely love team sports. Um, You know, netball was definitely a huge part Of you know I guess my life growing up I definitely would have loved to have been a netballer I represented Brisbane and Queensland as a junior and it was certainly a a really hard decision that I had to make when my coach um a couple of years before the Commonwealth Games said you know we can't risk you getting injured so you're gonna have to give up netball so I was absolutely devastated but um you know we pretty much um Spent all of our youth playing something, doing something different. So that's probably something that really stands out to me. Was most of our weekends were either swimming carnivals or, you know, cross country races or gymnastic events or netball carnivals. So it was definitely um, a very active childhood.
2: Now, I know it would have been early in your life, but when did you first believe or perhaps were told that you could do something with swimming to take it from, you know, swimming for fun? To swimming for medals.
0: You know, to be honest, I think I was about six and I was wow. going to – Swimming meets and just breaking records left, right, and centre. Then when I was eight, um, I watched the Commonwealth Games on TV, you know, because they were here in Brisbane, um, the 1982 Commonwealth Games. And I remember watching my hero Tracy Wickham swim the 400 and win. And I remember, you know, watching her walk around um, the Chandler Pool complex in a green and gold tracksuit and watching the Australian flag being raised and the Queen gave her her medal. And I remember, you know, it was absolutely something that I wanted to achieve just I so desperately wanted to have you know a green and gold track suit and um you know it was something that really stuck with me and I mm. guess you know from literally 8, 9, 10, 11 and 12 I was just um without big noting myself I was literally obsessed with swimming and smashing records left right and center particularly in the freestyle and medley races um so I mean with that came obviously a lot of pressure which yeah. um fortunate enough Kai had a very different journey to me his um sort of progression started a lot later, later than mine, um, which I'm grateful for, because obviously with you know with being so young I don't think I had the maturity to be able to deal with the amount of pressure that was put on me as a youngster so yeah it was it was really it started off really young it was you know at primary school people were saying oh you know you're going to represent Australia you're going to go to the Olympics so I think um, it didn't seem unnatural or weird when it actually happened Um, you know whereas I see the joy that it brings Kai having made his first open Australian team at 19 and it was just all it's just was so completely different to my own experience and I wish I had have had that experience because Kai's definitely wasn't something that was expected of him or I guess mine was like I said a foregone conclusion where his was never going to be like that.
2: Yeah I just want to stop here for a moment so obviously he's chipped away and chipped away Kai whereas your journey mm-hmm. is like you were strapped into a Formula One car and off you went so yeah. how did you cope with that rise to prominence because the world I suppose was bigger then there was no social media there was no internet power Perhaps the microscope from the outside wasn't as fierce, but at the same time, it was a, very much a toughen-up era, wasn't it? Where no one dared speak up. So, if if you were struggling, you probably wouldn't dare mention it. At the same time, so one probably offset the other.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Look, I like you said, I didn't grow up in the era of social media, so I don't know how that would have played out back in the early nineties and early two thousands when I was still swimming. But you know, the paper and the magazines were a huge thing then, mm. and it because swimming was so massive back in um, my era, there wouldn't be many days where there wasn't a swimming story in a newspaper or in a magazine. You know, I still haven't got over what I had to deal with as a swimmer and I'm not sure I ever ever will. Um, I'm definitely getting stronger as I get older, but, you know, the things that I would read about myself in the paper was something that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Um, So, and like you said, we didn't have sports psychologists or people that we could talk to. In fact, I remember trying to talk about how I was feeling in terms of not coping to particular people. And I was just told to either toughen up or stop swimming. So I learned pretty quickly that you just kept your mouth shut and um, you learned to deal with it. So
2: Auckland 1990, though, the Commonwealth Games in New Zealand, that's your launchpad to global swimming stardom, if Mm -hmm. you like. You're a 15-year-old schoolgirl, I think, but your coach at the time, Bill Sweetenham, with you and he, you're targeting six gold. You end up getting five.
0: A swimmer of the future, a
2: boom swimmer, Haley Lewis. She's now extending the margin with 10 metres to go. Another gold is coming home. Australia. Is it another record? 4:44.26. We're looking for, and she's done it. Oh, done it. She smashed it. Good on you, Haley. Look at the face. Look at the emotion. From the games, the 14th games in Auckland.
0: And just look at the power of this finish. She's came home she's come home like a rocket. She would never look like tiring at all. And that big margin between first and second, a great battle for second, but the Australians I've got a clean sweep here, and that's the first start to a magnificent games career for Hayley Lewis, 15 years of age from Brisbane.
2: There was the 200 free, 400 free, 200 fly, 400 metre individual medley, and the 4x2 freestyle relay. So a massive haul. How did it, I mean, how did it change your life? Can you can you take us back?
0: Yeah, it was weird because um, I'd never done like a TV interview, so to have to you have, you know, a camera shoved yeah. in your face when you get out of the pool was different and, um, you know, sometimes I watch the old VHS back um, <laughs> and I see myself and I think, oh, my God, like I was just so young, you know, I just, I don't know, I just seem so scared to even talk about. Here's Norman May. congratulations to you. Absolutely wonderful. It's a great thing to swim and win gold medals, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. You had tummy trouble down in Adelaide and you quickly got over that? Yeah, um, I was still a bit weak. For a few weeks after that, but now I'm okay.
2: <laughs> well, you were okay, all right. Was it your decision in the race to go out and set the pace all the way?
0: I well, yeah. I, I didn't actually think I'd I was going to win because I'm terrible at breaststroke and I'm not really a medley swimmer. I'm just so surprised. It just. It, it didn't seem natural to big note myself so I think you know back in those days I was an extremely shy person so it just felt very foreign to be um, to win and then have to talk about how excited you were um to be honest I just wanted to get my medal and get back to the village and you know have a sleep and prepare for my next race I think that was the mindset I was in because I had such a, a heavy workload like I had six races but it was actually 12 races with the heats as well so I really really didn't have time to sit back until I finished to think about what I was actually achieving at the time. And, you know, to be honest, when I was 15, it was just, um, yeah, it seemed like a blur now, to be honest, Um, a nice blur. But, you know, with that, obviously came a lot of pressure as soon as I got home.
2: Oh, it's amazing. There's so much you think, how much you don't know at 15, let alone in an everyday sort of situation, but to be thrust into the limelight like you are at 15 with everything that you don't know and you're still growing up. You're a kid. It's a, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, it was, um, I look back and I think, I can't even remember being like proud of myself, which I find strange, you know. Mm. Um, I think it was just, I was on just this ride. So it was just, yeah, like I said, trying to get one race done. But then when I got home, it was almost like, Um, My life went from being just this young girl at Cannon Hill who was about to start year 11 at school. And I'd sort of left, you know, the shores of Australia as just this girl that no one knew. And then I couldn't, you know, walk down the street without 10 people, you know, in between my house and the convenience store stopping me. And um, to be honest, I loved it. But a part of me, it was just overwhelming I can't even tell you how overwhelming it was I just yeah I think after a couple of months I was starting to um, develop anxiety and and that type of thing and then of course I think not long after that I had a school swim meet and um uh at those school swim meets you have to swim 50 meter races which are not my pet event I was you know definitely sort of two at that stage two four and 800 meters and I remember I got beaten at this um school meet in a 50 meter race and then like the headlines in the newspaper were yeah. something that was just I just remember crying and just thinking oh my god is it going to be that way now now that I, I have to win every single race that I go in. So, you know, and I wish I had have had a psychologist that I could go and talk to and get my mind straight and, you know, learn how to um, cope with um, expectation and things like that. But I just I just didn't have anyone. We're with highly
2: decorated Aussie swimmer Hayley Lewis on This Is Your Journey, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. World Championships glory and the big Olympic battles are up next. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. We're with Aussie swimming icon Hayley Lewis. So Hayley, take us to Perth, World Championships of 1991. Now, you didn't even want to swim the 200 metre free. You qualified eighth and there was energy to be saved for the 400 metres, wasn't there?
0: Yeah, well, I actually didn't make the 200 um, event to swim it in Perth. very similar to Kai, when I was at trials, I actually came third. So I didn't qualify for the race, which I wasn't too upset about because I had um, the 400 IM and the 400 free, which at that stage were becoming two of my pet events. Um, And then when we were in Perth a week before um, the meet started, the head coach um, said that someone had pulled out and he'd like me to swim. I said, I didn't want to, because I hadn't been training for it. And he said, well, you don't have a choice. You have to. So... (laughs) Yeah, it was, um, yeah, I was, you know, swam in the heat thinking I wouldn't even make the final, which, you know, I did, I made it into lane eight and then one thing led to another and, you know, I won the race um, the day before the 400, which was my main event. So it ended up being a pretty good world championship.
2: Yeah, I think Julie McDonald it was who pulled out to maybe concentrate on her distance events. And so in that 200, was it Janet Evans, the American? Was she the was she the raging favourite at the time?
0: Uh, no, she was the favourite in the 400 because she had the right. world record. So she, her and I were really swimming the 200, um,
1: Right. 400
0: and 800 was her pet events and 400 was my pet event at the time and then I went up to eight as well so she was swimming out of out of her pet event as well the girl that I was concerned well I wasn't even concerned because to me I didn't didn't even think it was a possibility that I'd get a medal but um the world record holder Francisca van Elmsnick from Germany she was actually in the race so it was her that was really tipped to win um plus another American Nicole Hazlett so those two girls were the ones that were tipped to win and Janet and I were sort of um Um, I guess in it because we you know had I guess experience in the 400 but definitely wasn't a race that we were both favoured to win or get a medal but as it turned out um, we won um, gold and silver so it ended up being a weird just a weird race to be honest.
2: I'm sure you get asked this a lot but I think one of the great curiosities for those outside the pool looking in is you know the challenges of winning from lane eight what make it so can you explain that to us?
0: Yeah I guess um, it's I mean it's hard to explain but I guess when you get into a final the main fast swimmers are in lane 3 4 and 5 so um when you start getting further and further out that's where your slower swimmers are so when you're out in lane 8 you can't always see what's happening mm. even in lane 4 let alone lane 1 so it's very hard to gauge where other people are in the race and not that that should matter because you should swim your own race anyway but i guess it's similar i guess to when well i love the tour de france so when i watch um cycling events and you see the peloton sticking together mm and then one rogue rogue cyclist goes out on his own. Um, We can only imagine how hard it is to keep that pace out on your own compared to when you're in a pack of people. It's easy to um, gauge when they're starting to fatigue. So you might give you a a mental burst that you can um, really give it a crack. But I think when you're in lane one or lane eight, you really have one choice when you're swimming the final, which is to just dive in and just absolutely go for it, which is what I did in the 200 free in Perth. And I said to Kai before the race, I said, I don't want to tell you how to swim it, but you got one choice, and that's just to go for it and just stay calm and just back yourself and good things happen from lane eight. And, um, it's probably the only time he's listened to me, but he literally (laughs) hit the water and went for it, which is really your only, yeah, you can't see anyone. So you can't sort of take, take it easy, especially in a 200 meter race. It really
2: is a sprint. So you provided the sort of calming reassurance and Dean provided the obscenities, which I like. You need a bit of fire and brimstone, don't you?
0: Yeah. Dean was definitely the (laughs) (laughs) obscenities for sure. Your first (laughs) Olympian,
2: experience is in Spain, Barcelona '92. Now, there's a silver in the 800 free, which is obviously your priority. I mean, how vivid are the memories here? What what comes to mind when you think? I mean, you medaled in the 400 as well with a bronze, but what yeah. what lives on with you from from Barcelona '92?
0: Um, a lot of lessons learned. Um, obviously, I didn't go on to win any other medals at um, in Atlanta or Sydney, so it was definitely from a medal perspective, um, definitely my most um, uh, positive. Olympic experience. Um, It was a learning experience from the point of view that I put on a lot of weight from the time I left Australian shores to the time that I actually raced. Um, And I put that down to the Olympic Village, um, the food. Really? Um, And it was, to be honest, an Olympic Games that I would love to forget based on how I felt about myself from a uh, weight point of view. And I guess because back then, um, you know, weight was such a big thing that, well, it still is a big thing that athletes have to deal with. But back in my day, when you put on half a kilo, it was, um, yeah, it wasn't. Positive thing to have to endure. So by the time, you know, I'd put on six kilos in six weeks, and, you know, I couldn't fit into my togs, I couldn't fit into my Australian tracksuit. Um, I got up on the blocks not feeling good about myself so I'm actually amazed that I came home with medals to be honest because I was in such a bad headspace mentally and so disappointed with myself that I hadn't um, stayed on track but um, look from a, um, a learning perspective it was the worst time to have that um, situation happen however it, you know it really made me realize that I if I was going to compete um, at that level everything had to be spot on. And, um, you know, I lost, ended up losing after, when I got home, um, 10 kilos after just because it just I just thought I can't ever let that happen to happen again and actually 93 the following year was probably one of my s- most successful years ever at the 93 Pan Packs because I just felt proud of myself I felt good about myself I was at a race weight that I was probably in the middle of Commonwealth Games and World Championships so yeah look I look back on it and I think wow you know what an experience but it was also one of those experiences that I look back on and it's tinged with a, a bit of negativity as well to yeah. be honest
2: and I don't want to spend too much time here but just 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 to ask you, you know, the reasons behind the weight gain, obviously, is it fair to say, went far and beyond whatever happened to look good at the buffet there. Did it speak a bit to the anxiety that you must have had at that time over your performance that led to that?
0: You would never, ever look at me and think I had a body, maybe except for my shoulders. I can't even tell you just so so hard for me to have to deal with yeah I mean the the amount of articles that I would read about my weight um even when I felt good about myself and a male journalist had written the article and I'm 15 and I'm reading it and it says as Lewis stands on the block I must still remember it it said she's very much um very heavy-legged for a swimmer you know as a teenage girl you don't want the part of your body that you most are unhappy written about in a in a national australian magazine so i definitely think reading that magazine conjured up or started some real image problems for me so i think by the time i got to barcelona um it wasn't just the buffet it was stress anxiety um having no one to talk to about how i was feeling Um, even at 18 my first olympics um you know, the, a lot of the team were older than me so there wasn't a lot of youngsters on the team. Yeah, so I probably didn't have the support, um, mental support that I, I needed so I just ate.
2: 96 Atlanta was challenging for a different reason, wasn't it? I think there was a lot of illness coming in there to Atlanta. So the preparation wasn't, can you let us in a bit to, to, to what went into the 96 Olympics?
0: No, I don't think there was illness. Right. Um, I think it was me just, I was engaged um, to be married. I right. um, I was completely had been over swimming for about 12 months before I got on the team. Um, And to be honest, I look back now and I think I probably had imposter syndrome for quite a few years in terms of um, myself as an athlete. Um, I definitely had a lot of really positive traits to be an athlete, which were determination, perseverance, resilience, um, my work ethic. But I always felt like I, to be honest, was trapped in the body of someone that should not have been an athlete. Um, And I don't mean just physically, I just always felt like I really wanted a life that seemed less stressful and um, one that was less full of pressure. Um, So by the time I got to 96, I don't think I, I definitely had worked super hard. I can't even remember a day where I didn't train to my absolute full potential. I can't, I never went to training and didn't train hard or give 100%. I just think, and and as we all know, if your mind isn't uh, truly on your game, or you're not wanting to do something, it doesn't matter how prepared you are physically, if you're not mentally there, you know, nothing's going to work. So I think by the time I got to Atlanta, I was so mentally exhausted. um, Yeah, that when I dove in, my body just I still, I still remember exactly how I felt when I dived in for my first race, which was the 400 heat, nothing wanted to go. I just, and I literally gave it a hundred percent, but my arms just felt like it just wouldn't do anything. And I don't know whether it was my taper that didn't work or I don't know, but it just, um, Mm. yeah, obviously it was enough for me to go home and think, okay, I need a big, Big break.
2: Yeah, and you have it, you have one, don't you? So I wanted to ask you where, where the 2000 trolls rate for you? Now, these aren't the Pan not the Olympics, they're not the World Championships, they're not the Commonwealth Games, but you've effectively retired, you become a mum to Jacob, and you come out and you win the 800 meter freestyle. It was a really emotional night, a great poolside interview in which you admit your shock. Um, where does this rate for you? I mean, there's again no medal to show for it, but geez, it was a special night.
0: Look, that was definitely up there with a the 91 World Championship gold medal from lane eight. I remember in 1990 calling the Grand Games, and on that occasion
2: I dubbed her the princess of the pool. She might be the queen of the pool, I don't know, it doesn't matter, but she's won the 800.
0: Good on you Hayley, she loves it. Hayley,
1: always scorching back to the
0: Olympics. I just, I'm just, i just totally shocked, this is, um, can probably ask anyone who I train with, it's just... It'd probably be shocking them as much as it shocked me, and um, it's been a very fun last 18 months since I've been back, since having Jacob, and I tell you, I'm just, I can't believe it. I never in my wildest dreams would have imagined winning. Yeah. And look, I didn't intend on getting back in the pool. Um, I actually was, after I had Jacob, I'd put on 30 kilos and Jenny Craig had um, used me as their ambassador to lose weight. And um, I'd lost all the weight and more and got down to my race weight. And my husband said, oh, you know, you should get back in the pool and just do a bit of swimming. So I did just 1999. So I really only had about 14 months to prepare for- and, you know, I rang my coach, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, coming back for the 2000 Olympics. And he said, you know, well, how are you going to do that with the baby? And I said, oh, well, you know, my husband's going to work part time and we're going to work it out. And, and he said, look, well, my main focus is obviously Kieran Perkins. So, you know, if you come back, you've got to give 100%. And um, yeah, I, I loved it. I gave 100%. And um, yeah, that race is definitely right up there with the 91 World Championships.
2: You're listening to This Is Your Journey, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. There's much more to come with Hayley Lewis after this.
1: You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey thanks to Tobin Brothers
2: Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. We've been joined today by Olympics World Championship and Commonwealth Games medalist Hayley Lewis. So Hayley, for those of us outside the sport again, I guess the monotony of swimming is what I think a lot of us come to like staring at the black line. How did you possibly get through all that day after day, month after month, year after year? I mean, it's such a gruelling pursuit, your former former profession. Yeah,
0: um, like I said before, I love training. Um, I love loved, kicking butt in training. So I just love that feeling of going and just pushing my body to, to its absolute limit. So I think that's why I kept going. You know, back in those days, it was very financially rewarding as well. So, you know, to be honest, it was easy to continue when I was given a lot of opportunities to make money, to be honest, and um, set myself up for the future, which um, I was fortunate enough to do. So yeah, look, I won't say money was the driving force, but it definitely um, was something that, you know, I had a lot of responsibility at such a young age in terms of sponsors and um, those type of commitments um, that I had to different companies. So, um, you know, to set myself up was something that um, was really important for me to do from a young age. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, you know, I talked about my, you know, sort of things that went wrong in my swimming career, like at the Olympics and and putting on weight at the world champs and things like that. But, um, you know, also I also had a lot of awesome opportunities where I, you know, got to meet a lot of fantastic swimmers across um, across the globe and, and race against them. So, you know, I guess it, I did love uh, racing majority Of the time, and like I said, loved swimming, um, training as a whole, and loved the uh, you know, obviously, swimming is a very individual. Um, sport, but it's also, you know, very much a team sport. I was spending eight hours a day with my teammates. So you, they're like your family. So you go to the pool and you're spending time with people that um, you can have a laugh with and have fun with. And um, you all sort of have a similar goal, which is to, you know, represent Australia and potentially bring home medals. So it was a, you know, it was a very exciting time for me growing up. And
2: and given Kai's progress, I suppose you're as qualified as anyone to speak about the change. I mean, has has it gone from how many K's the volume you know that you can do in a day now to more i don't know cross training work has it changed that much from your day compared to his
0: yeah for sure um you know kai he does different races to what i did he's um sort of 50 100 200 where i was sort of 200 initially but then moved on to 4 8 and 15 and then open water so he he was always going to do a lot less k's in the pool but you know from what dean's told me Ariane titmus who does my races she does a lot less k's than what i did in the pool um But, you know, weirdly, I never stepped one foot in a gym. I didn't lift one weight. I didn't just did not do anything like that. Hmm. So I'm actually quite envious, you know, when I see sort of Instagram reels of, you know, the girls doing, you know, so much cross-training in the gym and just a lot more uh, variation to their their weekly swimming regime. Um, you know, I would have killed to have that variation and just that have that, that difference um, rather than getting in the pool and just doing 80K up and down the pool every
2: week. So that shy 15-year-old that was a bit confronted by the camera, you know, pool deck, obviously, over there in Auckland, the Commonwealth Gate. Who would have thought she'd go on to become a host of a, of a national television show like he did for The Biggest Loser for a fair old period of time for for Network Ten, and it was a huge show at the time. But given everything we've spoken about, was it more than just a, a TV job for you, Hallie? Was it? Tell us about how special the job was for you, and the I don't know. I suppose the significance that it had given your own your own journey at times.
0: Yeah. Look, um, when my manager suggested it to me, because the um, original host was um, was leaving at the time. I said, look, I don't want to do TV. I'm not interested in radio TV. I just, just wasn't my thing. And he said, look, given your background with your weight and, you know, we know how it affected you mentally and physically. Um, I, you know, he thought it might be something that I might be interested in. And I absolutely loved the show. You know, I, I guess in some way felt like I knew exactly how they felt in terms of, um, Just that mental feeling of not feeling like you're where you should be or where you could be. And um, I think that's one of the reasons, to be honest, that Channel 10 chose me in the audition process um, because I was terrible behind a camera and remembering my lines. But I think when they sat down with me and asked me why I thought I wanted to be the host, and I expressed to them um, not only my love for the show, but also the journey that I'd been on with my weight. um, And I guess the amount of things that I read about it. Um, in the different media outlets and things like that and how much it had affected me I think they thought that I was going to be the perfect person for the job so mm-hmm. yeah look I still keep in touch with a lot of the contestants um, to this very day because it wasn't just a show for me it was I knew exactly how they were feeling um, when they came onto the show and you know fortunately I wasn't one of the trainers I was there I guess as not only the host but someone that they could talk to and you know it was often I would be called in um, when the cameras stopped rolling back to the biggest loser house to talk to the contestants if they w- if they felt like they wanted to go home. So uh. I would talk them out of go- wanting to go home. And, you know, I think I really loved that part of the job. It wasn't just a hosting role. It was, I'd be- really become like a, not only a mentor, but as a, a friend to all of them. So that I really, really, you know, look back as one of the most special things about the, about the job.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What, and what keeps you busy these days?
0: Um, I've been a small business owner since 2002. So 21 years, I've been a small business owner. Wow. So um, I owned a swim school at Westfield Carindale for 10 years, right up until two, 2010 when it was demolished, unfortunately, but I've owned a retail store for 13 years. So yeah, I mean, it's I guess that also has helped in Kai's um, sort of journey. My husband and I are both small business owners, uh, so he sees how hard we work seven days a week. So I think he sees that and um, and uses it to his advantage because he can see how hard that not only we worked as athletes but how hard we continue to work um, within the community. You
2: better give it a plug Hayley for those who are in or or venture into the Brisbane region.
0: Yeah coming up Rose's Belmoral it's not a florist by the way Um, (laughs) it's a retail store so yeah I'm very proud of it and I'll I'll soon be going into my 14th year and uh, yeah it's absolutely the place that I was meant to be and uh, yeah I'm looking forward to hopefully making it 20 years there.
2: And I mentioned your book earlier, but it was—it's called Dream, Believe, Create. So I'm sure we can still get our hands on that.
0: Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I might have gone out of print probably 15 <laughs> right. years ago. But right um, look, I've—you know—I'm right in the middle of. Um, I did my um, psychology degree and I'm right in the middle of doing my master's degree. So that's keeping me busy as well.
2: Well, Hayley Taylor, Hayley Lewis, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to talk nice. to you. I mean, from people of my vintage and, and older, you were very much a household name and, and obviously a prodigy who more than lived up to your potential at the highest level of your chosen sport. And, and I uh, honestly, we all got some great joy out of watching your joy as your son, uh, Kai, spectacularly delivered at the World Champs Trials just a couple of weeks ago. So well Thank done on you everything you. you've done and I really appreciate it. Appreciate you joining us today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: You've been listening to This Is Your Journey for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You can find them online, of course, tobinbrothers.com.au and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey.